I'm novelist Sherry Todd Bayshore, and this is Mystery Podcast. Today, this week, is Chapter 1 from my suspense thriller, 24 Sussex Drive. The Cold War never really ended. It went underground and waited, morphing and reorganizing into something far more treacherous. 24 Sussex Drive is the official residence of the Canadian Prime Minister, and the peaceful democracy that shelters thousands of the world's refugees has been infiltrated by a silent, invisible invasion. After World War II, a secret elite in Stalin's Russian military devised a strategy to gain political control of the passive North American democracy, Canada. By 1975, the 20-year-old ploy had been so effective Enough sleeper agents were living and working at all key levels of Canadian society to launch the unprecedented coup, except for one element, a puppet prime minister. With the puppet identified by 1982, the target goes about her business as if she has complete free will. But when events Victoria Hamilton can neither understand nor explain begin to steer her previously well-ordered life from local to national prominence, Initial frustration turns to alarm. However, the puppeteers may have underestimated their own target, but that still doesn't mean the plan didn't work. Prologue. Press release, October 6, 1998. Headline, USA Today. Veteran diplomat works with Milosevic in hopes of peace. Belgrade, Yugoslavia. Amid rising regional tensions, Balkans troubleshooter Richard Holbrook and Yugoslavia President Slobodan Milosevic concluded the first day of talks amid averting threatened NATO airstrikes without visible progress. As NATO inched closer to military action, Russia's defense minister warned of a retreat to Cold War if Serbia is attacked. Press release, February 9, 2000. Headline, USA Today. Hackers hit eBay, Buy.com, and Amazon.com. Palo Alto, California, and what appears to be a concerned campaign to bring major internet sites to a halt, hackers on Tuesday attacked three of the nation's most popular command sites, eBay, Buy.com, and Amazon.com, just one day after bringing Yahoo to its knees. CNN's new site was knocked out for two hours, the company said late Tuesday. FBI officials said the agency had not yet linked the latest cyber attacks which tap into powerful computers to overload the website with enormous amounts of junk data. But the FBI met Tuesday with Yahoo after hackers crashed that site on Monday. It will meet with other companies later today. Experts cautioned that many sites could fall victim to this relatively easy assault. Chapter 1. Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, May 9, 1977. Stan performed mental exercises to still his thudding heart. His throat burned as he swallowed the bile that rose up from his churning stomach. He hadn't expected to feel this way when the go came. Of all the emotions Stan anticipated to have when final orders eventually arrived, abject fear had not been one of them. He was one of two men who emerged from opposite points of Majors Hill Park. The late spring sun had dipped low on the western horizon. At most, there was perhaps another 45 minutes of daylight. Both men were of medium height and medium build. They were average in all of the outward trappings that made Canada's federal capital a sea of three-piece suits. 
Stan Harrell was 59 years old, with flecks of gray showing in random patches in his curly brown hair. His dark hazel eyes squinted against the setting sun. He had been a liberal member of Parliament for 19 years, representing a small northern riding in Ontario. Stan was married, with four sons. He owned a hardware store in the town of Carleton in the riding he represented. Stan was a landed immigrant, orphaned at birth, two years after the First World War. His expertly forged identity papers stated his foster parents had been Hungarian. Bud Peterson, 12 years younger than Stan, was a conservative member of Parliament for a small riding in rural Saskatchewan. Bud was one of several caucus advisers who provided analytical information necessary for the official opposition to function as a watchdog over the elected governing party. Peterson came to Canada as a refugee from Czechoslovakia with his uncle, listed as his only living relative. Bud was married with one daughter. Stan Harowitz and Ivan Petrochansky had changed their names soon after settling in their adoptive country. Stan's English was technically perfect, but his accent was still pronounced. Bud's accent was only slightly perceivable. The two men had slowly worked their way toward the central fountain of the busy public park. Their meeting was to appear as if by chance should anyone have noticed them. Bud, good evening. Good to see you outside Parliament's halls. Stan greeted Bud sincerely. I find this park restful after a hectic day. The two men shook hands firmly. Well, Stan Harrow. Bud Peterson greeted in return. Haven't seen you in a while? Yes, this park is perfect. How's your family? The family is fine. Bud, thank you for asking. Marion and the boys are all well. John, our eldest, graduates with his degree in engineering in a few weeks. How is Mary and your daughter, Gail? Good. They'll both join me in Ottawa at the end of June. The men stood for a few moments more, making further small talk about the early warm spring as people sauntered by. As if they too were taking a stroll to unwind from their day, they walked with purpose across the grass together, avoiding main paths lit by converted 19th century gas lamps. Isolated from the possibility of being overheard, the polite conversation abruptly ceased. They hadn't had formal communication with each other since Bud first came to Ottawa after winning the by-election in his riding two years before. Stan understood why Bud had contacted him, and as this day approached, he'd grown uneasy. Over the past three weeks, his galloping anxiety had not been caused by excitement of finally breaking away from so many decades of waiting. It was dread. Stan broke the silence first. You've heard from your uncle? Yes, finally. Peterson stated clearly eager. We may begin the go phase of Cat's Paw immediately. The men continued to meander slowly through the park. They kept to the relative cover of trees and mature shrubs, but took no particular route or direction. Stan Harrow hadn't realized until that moment just how deeply he had slipped into his cover life, how soft and complacent he'd become. If he wasn't careful, Bud would pick up on his conflict, then Stan would find himself in an extremely dangerous position. Keeping his voice low and deliberate to control his tone, Stan asked, Does Peter insist on checking all writings across the country, or does he have a specific area in mind? He's ordered that we concentrate our search in the West, British Columbia, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. His criteria is someone in their late 30s or early 40s from a small town or city, avoiding all densely populated urban areas. 
We need someone reasonably bright and capable in order to be convincing, yet inexperienced enough to be influenced and manipulated so effectively Canada elects a puppet prime minister taking direction via Moscow. Right. Well, we must have someone like that here now, newly elected, fresh, green, and impressionable. No. Bud stopped walking and turned to face Dan, whose face was barely discernible in the diminishing park light. Ignore absolutely everyone who is here now. Lepo still has a strong presence. What Uncle Peter has instructed to set in place is a complete dark horse, but someone who can appeal to the media so the media makes our choice the people's choice. Viva freedom of the press, Stan chuckled. It's so easy to get them to chase our butterflies. Bud grinned for a moment, then his expression was serious again. Spider wants a conservative, and he wants a woman. The effect of Bud's last word was immediate. A look of unguarded astonishment swept over Stan's face, visible even in their poorly lit surroundings. A woman prime minister? Yes, five years from now, a woman could easily be accepted. Britain and India have already paved the way. With five more years of arrogant liberal faux pas, floundering voters would be frantic to embrace someone else. Stan wasn't entirely convinced. He shook his head slowly. So far, Uncle Peter has been extremely lucky, but this plan assumes the Liberals remain in power after the next election and that Lepole continues as leader of the Liberal Party to run again. That is a magician's reach, even for someone as designing as Spider. Have you forgotten how neatly his first experimental dark horse was elected? I agree with this strategy. Odds are the Liberals will still be in power, and so will Charles Lepole. He is bored with Parliament but he is proud and craves both attention and control. His ego is greater than his boredom. By 1983, we shall be ready. Bud continued, When you consider our present situation, there are only two, maybe three men Lepeau respects in his own cabinet, even in his entire party. The political victims he has cut down fall like Christmas trees. Only a woman with a natural charm and fascination of her own could unseat him. Only a woman could throw Charles Lepeau off balance. Stan Harrow no longer looked at Bud Peterson. He looked beyond Bud over the tops of the maple trees in the direction of Parliament Hill. His thoughts raced and churned, examining the far-reaching effects of what he had been told, and then wondered what he had not been told. The plan was incredible, but required chess-timing skill. Peter Stanislav was a chess master. If any military plotter could pull this off, it was Spider. In the spring of 1947, Spider sent his first wave of sleeper agents to Canada to settle in specific locations. The agents who arrived as landed immigrants were mixed with genuine refugees. Their instructions were to live and work in each of the various regions in the vast open country, taking positions in every walk of life. During the Second World War, eight perceptive strategists in the Russian military resolved that Russia would one day be viewed by the rest of the globe as not just a vast landmass, Russia would be the leading world superpower. Geographic position, political influence, and natural resources were essential to ensure that Russia could evolve into a nation that surpassed even the Roman Empire in scope and wealth for its time. The eight men understood that if Russia controlled Canada, then Russia controlled the entire strategic north. 
domination over Canada brought the jurisdiction of a massive physical area that together totaled 10 million square miles of subsurface and surface minerals, resources, and water, and then modern technology with the expertise Russia required to develop its own vast untapped natural resources. Canada's location with its generally benign culture and political climate made it ideal for infiltration. Children of the wealthy families were the next major objective. Often among the offspring of the rich was a complacency that accompanied financial freedom. Spider sought those who lacked the hunger, the drive, and the purpose for being. He befriended those who could afford the luxury of time spent in a succession of impractical philosophical discussions. Charles André Le Poe, an academically brilliant, socially prominent, and wealthy idealist, searching for answers and direction to his life, as so many of old money, had been a selected target. But Lopo had been only one of many hundreds in three provinces across the country that Uncle Peter had singled from the children of those listed on social registers of the financially renowned. They had been easy to find. With notability came availability, particularly on the university campuses in the late 1950s, the 60s, and the 70s. A woman prime minister, Harrow repeated thoughtfully. His attention returned to Bud. Bud nodded. Someone who could be trusted and be loved, almost like an angel of liberation. That ends the first chapter and the introduction to 24 Sussex Drive. Please tune in tomorrow when I will share a little more of what's going on with all of Chapter 2. Thanks so much for listening.